अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांगमनसगोचर आत्माखिलाधारम I take refuge in the self, the indivisible, the existence, consciousness, bliss, absolute, beyond the reach of words and thought, and the substratum of all, for the attainment of my cherished desire. So now we're going to start text number 122. Things will become a little more difficult now on and, and also more quite interesting. And in one sense, the real Vedanta starts from now. What we have got so far is we are being taught. The text or the teacher is teaching us by the method of superimposition and desuperimposition. Adhyaropa apavada. What is adhyaropa? It's like seeing the uh, snake on the rope. It's not a snake, but we mistake it to be a snake. That's called adhyaropa or superimposition. Error, basically error. And desuperimposition or apavada uh, is the negation of that error, the correction of that error. To see the false snake, that it's not a snake, it's actually a rope. So Brahman, the only reality is Satchidananda Brahman and uh, uh, superimposition is seeing it as this world, as samsara. Why would we do that? We don't want to do it. We are already in the midst of it. This is a method of correcting it. So we are already in the midst of samsara um, and we are in trouble and we want a way out. And this is the way out. We have seen how from Satchidananda Brahman, uh, from Satchidananda Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss, non-dual reality, through the agency of Maya appears. Appears is an important word, does not become. It appears as... Uh, um, you know, Ishvara and Jiva and the five subtle elements. And then there is the combination and the creation of the five gross elements. And with the gro gross elements, this universe is created. That same consciousness limited by the, a little bit of Ajnana, uh, ignorance, which is the causal body. And then further limited by the subtle body. And then further limited by the gross body. The causal body is the Anandamaya Kosha. The subtle body is Vijnanamaya, Manomaya, Pranamaya koshas, and the gross body, physical body is the Annamaya kosha. This is what we have got so far. Now, this chapter, what's going to happen here is, basically in one sentence or one question, this chapter is going to answer the question, who am I? It's going to provide um, various answers, 10 answers to the question, who am I? Why is this happening? Now that the universe is here, and we are also here with our bodies, with our physical body, subtle body, and causal body, and we, the consciousness, it's like having three layers of clothing. And the innermost layer is the causal body. Then in between is the subtle body. And the outermost layer is the, the physical body. And we are in this world of samsara. Now, what do we think about ourselves? The question is, specifically us, we human beings now, what is it that we think about ourselves? And not only just like not common people, also thinkers, philosophers. What are the various philosophical points of view about this question, who am I? That is the chapter. This chapter is going to answer the question, who am I? Where does it fit in in the whole scheme of 
superimposition, desuperimposition. This is still part of superimposition. What he's going to say is, what do we jivas superimpose upon ourselves? What do we, what errors do we make about ourselves? About Brahman, we have already made the error. What is the error? We have covered up Brahman with, uh, with Maya and then the subtle universe and then the physical universe. Now about ourselves, what is it that we think about ourselves? We will find different points of view. Uh, so in one sense, it is part of the superimposition. What are we individually superimposing upon ourselves? But in another sense, the journey back, the correction of the error, the desuperimposition, the apavad has already started. Technically, it is still part of superimposition, but you will see uh, the apavad has already started. What will happen is we keep on inquiring, who am I really? And then we get more and more sophisticated answers till we come to the Advaitic answer. So a kind of uh, going back to the uh, source, going back to our reality has already started. All right. Now, one more point here. The way the chapter is organized is um, we are looking at the views of who am I according to many philosophers. So we will come across the views of many um, Indian philosophers of ancient times. Uh, we will um, come across materialists, charvakas, various kinds of materialists the crude materialist who just thinks we are flesh and blood, more sophisticated materialists which are, who are very close to the way we think normally uh, is that we are minds, we are embodied persons. Uh, then we'll come across Buddhists, two schools of Buddhists, the mind-only school, which is technically known as the Vigyanavada, Yogacara Vigyanavada school. Then we'll come across the another school of Buddhists, the Shunyavada, Madhyamaka Shunyavada, the emptiness school. Mind only school, emptiness school. Come across means we'll, we are dealing with only one question. What is their view of who am I? Uh, we will come across the Nyaya school, the Nyaya Vaisheshika school. We'll come across the uh, Mimamsaka school, the Purva Mimamsa school, and two sub schools of Mimamsa, the Bhatta school and the Prabhakara school. And finally, we will come to the Advaita Vedanta. The way it is organized is. First of all, these schools are taken up. And these schools are taken up, uh, there's a certain progression in them. The progression is from the crudest, most simplistic views to more sophisticated and more sophisticated views coming to, and finally, the most sophisticated or the most deepest view. No surprise there, it's the Advaita view. Remember, it's an introductory textbook to Advaita Vedanta. So the hero of the whole show is going to be us, you. You are the Advaitin, you will win the whole battle. Um, there is no surprise there. Also remember, this is an introductory book. So all the views which will be presented will be very simplistic. This is the view of the materialist. This is the view of the Buddhist. And uh, these are the arguments in favor. And this is the defect with the view. And then you move on. There is no sustained discussion with these schools. Remember, these schools are not so simple at all. Each of these schools is an ancient school of philosophy with vast literature, with history going um, literally thousands of years back. Uh, and they have long engagements with Advaita Vedanta or and with each other. So there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of argumentation, very subtle reasoning, none of which you will see here. You will just see the surface view. Still a fair representation, but surface view only. Just, just will touch and go. Introductory, remember. Uh, more in-depth battles, uh, 
you know, we will see skirmishes, we will see later on when we go to the Upanishads and the commentaries on the Upanishads. But still, it's a nice uh, survey of uh, Indian philosophy. Uh, um, one more thing before we start. All right, important. A key to this chapter. To enjoy this chapter, I'm giving you a key now. This chapter is very, very symmetrically, very elegantly designed. To know what is going on, you have to ask these questions. First of all, whose view it is? Materialist, Buddhist, Mimamsa, whose view? Question. The second question will be, what is the view? Who am I? Body, mind, consciousness, what? And then the third question you have to ask is that, um, um, what is the um, argument in favor of this view? So if somebody is saying the body is the self, I am the body, why? Please argue it out. Give me a reason why. And then the next question will be, show it in your experience. How does our experience prove that I am the body or whatever, mind or whatever? So by experience. And finally, show me something in the um, Vedas, in the scriptures, in the Upanishads and Vedas, which proves, which supports your claim. So this is the traditional way of argumentation. Shruti Yukti Anubhuti. Shruti. Um, show me, Shruti means the Upanishads, a Vedas species, uh, specifically Upanishads, but Vedas also. So what is there in the scriptures which supports your point of view? Second, uh, Anubhuti. What a yukti. Yukti means reasoning. Uh, give me, support your claim by reasoning. And third is anubhuti. Support your claim by showing me an experience. How can I experience what you are saying? Shruti, yukti, anubhuti. Very, very solid way of uh, establishing a, a perspective. Um, so this uh, shruti, yukti, anubhuti will be the way we do it. I think Prabhupada was asking what about examples. Examples will be given. So about um, each of them. Shruti, an example will be given. Look, here is the example of where of the Upanishads where it is supporting our position. Here is the example in our own experience where it shows that what we are saying is right. So examples will be given um, for each position, for each of them. One more point. You might ask, why Shruti? Because many of these schools of philosophy, like Buddhists or materialists, they don't believe in your Upanishads or Vedas. It is true. Uh, one reason why they, this is done is for the sake of, you know, to maintain a symmetry in the argument. All the arguments are uh, Shruti, Yukti, Anubhuti. The second reason why this might be done is, uh, even if I don't believe in your Vedas or Upanishads, you believe in it. So I'm arguing against you and it really supports my position if I can show you something from your Upanishad which proves my point. If your Upanishad says body is Atma, well then you are trapped. So uh, all the opponents, all the, those philosophers, they will give some example from the Upanishads just to show that, to support their position. So to quickly sum up, when we go through this chapter, what are we looking for? Whose view is it? One. What is the view? What is self? Or who am I? What is the answer? Third, supporting quotation from, from scripture. 
shruti fourth reason yukti give a reason and fifth um, anubhuti show it in experience how it is experienced in our day to day our regular experience so these are the things you look for whenever we come across each position we are going to look at several materialists to see you can see the wide range of materialistic views which were prevalent at that time and then uh, buddhists will come in nyaya vaisheshikas will come in um, purva mimamsakas will come in and finally the hero of the whole uh, play the advaita vedantin will come in and win everything so that's the plot now let's go it's a very nice uh, chapter and a nice survey of you know different philosophical views in ancient india text number 122 idanim pratyagatmani idam idam ayam ayam aropayati iti visheshata uchyate now will be considered in particular how people variously superimpose on the innermost self such ideas as i am this i am this etc so idanim now pratyagatmani in the inner self in your real self this and this you know somebody will say this is the body i am the body somebody will say i am the mind i am the prana and so on and so forth various things are imposed by different people people means uh, different perspectives different schools of thought we will examine that now notice the word aropayati that means adhyaropa apavada the adhyaropa portion is still going on technically but really speaking you will notice already we have started investigating we have started correcting the error now first no philosopher first let's take the common man on the street just the ordinary person who is not thinking about it just look at the person and what does this person feel about who am i not even thinking not even investigating just straight away what does this person feel what does this person show in his or her life who am i 123 अति प्राकृतस्तु आत्मा वैजायते पुत्रः इत्यादि श्रुते स्वस्मिन्नेव पुत्रे अपि प्रेम दर्शनात् पुत्रे पुष्टे नष्टे चाहमेव पुष्टो नष्टश्च इत्यादि अनुभवाच्च पुत्रात्मेति वदति सो एन एक्सट्रीमली डिल्यूटेड मैन स्पीक्स ऑफ हिज सन एज हिज ओन सेल्फ ऑन अकाउंट ऑफ सच श्रुति पैसेजेस एज वेरीली द सेल्फ इज बोर्न एज द सन ओइंग टू द फैक्ट that one loves one's son as one's own self and further because of the experience that one feels one self prosperous or ruined according to as one's son fares well or ill all right who is this person ati prakrita now what is the who, whose position are we taking remember look at the 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 five questions we were asking who is this person who is this whose position are we looking at ati prakrita the most ordinary person not a philosopher not somebody with a degree from ivy league college no just a person who doesn't even think about who am i vedanta nothing like that just a person living his or her life now what does this person say this person never even thinks who am i this question does not arise to this person so what what is it being said here by the behavior of this person by the way this person lives his or her life what is most precious how does this person define the self so so this person is saying my child is myself or my son or my daughter is myself not that anybody would actually seriously would would they say my son is myself or my daughter is myself no but that's how they live 
and it's it's not a silly thing it's it's actually literally if you see how people live their lives um, what are they working towards what is most precious to them what are they protecting what are they hoping for in their lives it's children uh, so what is the answer to the question who am i my child i am my child literally if you put it lit- that way it sounds a little uh, silly but um, if you look at it emotionally if you look at it um, realistically how are people are living it's not a bad answer it's a, a pretty honest answer so answer to the second question what is the answer to the question who am i that child i am that it need not be a child it could be i am my money i am my uh, my fame what i have achieved in my life that's who i am my legacy my achievements in my field i am most identified with that i am most defined by that um, it could be my possessions so any of these things exterior to your body apart from your physical entity uh, something out there and you define yourself by that that is that is the position of the this ati prakrita most ordinary most um, you know like common man on the street now please give a third third question can you justify it on the basis of upanishads he says yes look at your own upanishad atma vai jayate putraha i think it is from the, the aitareya uh, aitareya upanishad yeah i think it's from aitareya upanishad the self alone is born as the sun so clearly your upanishad says the self is the sun you are born again as your own son you are born again as your own daughter is is your own child and um, you might say what kind of a statement is that may not be literally true but emotionally true and uh, i was just reading not now long time back richard dawkins the selfish gene so there uh he shows how first we try to protect ourselves then the the effort becomes is now all focused on the child why the reason is according to richard dawkins and that's a very sophisticated that that might be the latest thinking in modern science who do not believe in self or god or anything what are we according to modern according to richard dawkins we are genes we are literally speaking um we are machines which carry the genes so the genes are the unit of life and over time through evolution they have designed they have d- designed ever more sophisticated machines vehicles like spaceships you know to survive in this hostile environment the genes have devised uh, vehicles and what are these vehicles us um little um, multicellular beings to plants and animals to ever more sophisticated animals to the top of the food chain human beings these these physical things we are not important who is in charge here our genes are in charge here and they have one purpose our purpose is not their purpose their purpose is um, to propagate their purpose is to to live and to propagate so they know they will die very soon but them as long as their copies are going on they are fine so notice if that is the main thing then that then it explains very well why suddenly after we have children 
we become all about the children because the genes will make us make sure that their copies are protected. That's all from Richard Dawkins. Notice how our love is first for the child, then for the children of relatives whose genes are a close copy to ours. And the further they go away from our genes, the less love we have for them. And they're, if they're entirely apart from our genes, from another um, you know, race or something else, uh, or species, then we have either no love or we have actually enmity or hostility towards that. So it is the genes protecting themselves and the nearest copies, which is what explains everything. Atma vai jayate putra, it's a pretty, very sophisticated, huh? we would be neo-Darwinian, not 5,000 years ago in the Aetheri Upanishad. Then please give, um, please give a reason. Please argue out your position. Fourth question. Yukti. Swasmin neva putre api prema darshanat. As you have love for yourself, like that for the son or the daughter, you have love. So, love for self-preservation. If you follow the direction of that love, you will discover what is the self. The self is trying to preserve itself. Now, the same man or woman who was working hard to preserve, you know, earning money, eating, taking care of oneself, is actually working much harder to preserve that little baby. Sacrificing itself. All your work and your energy and time and earnings are all being poured into taking care of that little baby. Which means, what are you, according to this behavior, where is your love going? Towards that baby. Then wherever your love is going, that is the self. The baby is the self then. So, Swasminiva, just as you had love for yourself, Putriyapi Prema Darshana, in the same way, now you are demonstrating love for the child. That means the child is yourself. Or it could be your, um, your um, you know, money. It could be your, um, your legacy, your name and fame, whatever it is, status. Can you please give some, some anubhuti, experience? He says, putre pushte nashte cha ahameva pushta nashta. Ittyadi anubhavatcha. When the sun does well, when the sun is healthy, you feel good. If the sun is sick, uh, you feel uh, unwell, unhappy, or distressed. Every parent, they know this. When the child is physically unwell, the parents themselves feel unwell. They, they are probably more unwell than the child, <laughs> child itself, more distressed, more scared. Um, then putre uh, pushte when the child is healthy you feel healthy and good when child is nashte means the child is in trouble in crisis you feel in trouble it need not be physical it could be anxiety it could be relationship problem it could be success or failure in life my child is done well and got into an ivy league college or something i feel good my child has failed in the examinations and is a good for nothing i feel terrible why that's the child, it's not you. No, that deep bond is there. So it shows iti adi, etc. Many such experiences. There is a wealth of experiences which show, which prove our position. Putra atma iti vadati. They would say that the child, son or the daughter is the self. First position. But it's not a philosophical position. But it's good. It's a very honest look at life itself. Now the first philosopher comes along, the materialist. The materialist is not uh, before this. Materialist is the first person who starts thinking about what could be the self. He says, no. The, sec uh, the first philosopher is the 
Charvaka, materialist. We are going to text number 124. Charvakastu Sava Esha Purushovanarasamayaha Ityadi Shutehe Pradipta Grihat Swaputram Paritya Japi Swasya Nirgamadarshanat Stuloham Krishoham Ityadionubhavacha Stula Sharira Matmeti Vadati one school of Charvakas, however, holds that this physical body is the self. On account of such Shruti passages as man is constituted of the essence of food, owing also to the fact that man rushes out from a burning house, even leaving behind his son, and further because of such experiences as I am stout, I am thin, etc. Again, ask those questions. Whose position is it? This is the Charvaka, the materialist. Um, what is the position? Who am I? Answer, I am the body, not the child. And notice, each position will be more sophisticated in the sense that it will cut down the previous position. They will show why the previous position does not work. It's contradicted. I'm giving you a better answer. So I am the body. I'm not the child. I'm the body. Why? We will see. Um, so first of all, charvaka, the word, word charvaka comes from charuva, sweet talk. So materialist uh, positions are often uh, very simple and very appealing. This word is all that there is. Uh, that, that slogan I'd mentioned, YOLO, you live only once. It's a charvaka slogan. So these charvakas are materialist and hedonist. Materialist means material reality is the only reality. This what we sense with the five senses, that's the only reality. This physical body is what we sense. So I am this physical body. And the purpose of life, what is the purpose of life? Is to enjoy. And enjoyment is also sense pleasure. So this is a very basic, there'll be different levels of materialist, but this is a very basic level of materialist. The charvaka. Um, so this is, a, you know, it's immediately appealing. If you don't think too critically, live your life. Why worry about philosophy and all of that? Uh, just have fun. One doesn't live too long. You live only once. Uh, have fun. Take a selfie. So they are generally they'll take a selfie and then give a this what do you call like a label you yolo they will say. Notice how even by doing that, if I am just partying and just having some fun, even then I feel a compulsion to justify it by some philosophical reason. Why would I put that yellow? That yellow title. Um, why do I put it somewhere within? I feel feel. Uh, compelled to justify my position. I feel that I must, as an intelligent thinking person, I must give a convincing reason. I have to convince myself at least that I am doing the right thing. Uh, so here is the reason. You live only once. Make maybe. The Charvakas say that Yavad Jivet Sukham Jivet Rinam Kritva Gritam Pivet Basmi Bhutasya Dehasya Punaragamanam Kutaha so they are materialists. They say that as long as you live, um, live happily. Live happily. Um, how would you live happily? What is the way to live happily? Um, at that time, the height, the top 10 drinks was ghee, that is uh, clarified butter. There was like, it's like Coke or, you know, like drinks. So uh, drink a lot of ghee. But it's expensive. Where will I get that? Rinam Kritva. Credit, max out your credit cards, buy a lot of ghee um, and borrow money. Rinam Kritva means borrow money. Go on credit. 
And then if you said, but yeah, but if I do that, I have to pay back. No. When the body is dead, the only reality is the body. When the body is dead, it will be burnt. Where will it You will never come back again. Nobody is going to catch you. No, they'll catch my, my children or my, um, you know, like inheritors or who cares? You have had fun. Let them suffer. Uh, so this is, and it's it's not a, like a silly philosophy. A lot of people live by it. A lot of economies are based on that. Um, once you are dead, you'll never come back again. It's finished. Basically, YOLO, 5,000 years ago. We think we are very sophisticated today, taking selfie and putting, <laughs> you live only once. 5,000 years ago, there were your ancestors doing exactly the same thing. That is the philosophy. Um, what about religion? I said, religion is nonsense. Religion is made by a group of priests to exploit others and to you know, live off the hard work of others. I mean, no neo-Marxist can go further than these people. Same analysis, thousands of years ago. Um, I've forgotten the exact verses. Anyway, good to forget the horrible verses. Like um, that... The three Vedas are the, crea are the creations of uh, what? Um, are the creations of, of hypocrites, cheats, and rakshasas. So <laughs> they have created these to cheat people. Now then, what about the you know the offerings that we gave in the, to remember the context of the Vedic religion in those days. So we give offerings in the fire and by giving these offerings in the fire, it will go to the gods and our my father for whom I'm giving the offerings, he will go to heaven. So these ideas, ritualistic ideas were there. And these Charvaka, they have their verses. I had at one time, I read the verses. It means uh, if uh, if by pouring fire, uh, pouring ghee into the fire, it, the fire will take the ghee to your to, uh, to heaven to to gods, and the gods will be pleased. And by that, your father will go to heaven. Throw your father into the fire; he will go directly into he to, uh, to heaven. Then, <laughs> if the fire is taking, uh, so that's the meaning of the verse. So all this kind of, uh, they completely they made fun of religion. So that was the basic, the crudest form of charvakas. So, now what is their argument? First of all, do you have any quote from the Upanishads? Yes, we have. Everybody has a quote. There is no literally devil quote quoting the scriptures. So everybody has a quote from the Upanishads. Savayesha purusha Upanishad. This self, the purusha, you, the being, you are made of the essence of food. What are you referring to here? You are referring to the physical body. What we eat and drink is uh, I digested, assimilated and made into the physical body our flesh and blood and bones uh, this, is, this is the body and Upanishad is saying you, the Purusha, the sentient being you are made of food Sava, or the essence of food and there are many such Shrutis which say that the body is the self now in fact in one of the places uh, Atma refers to um, body, uh, physical body. I, I have told you earlier one thing in the story. Once I was begging for food in the Himalayas, I was wandering. So I went into this uh, farmer's house. 
high up, around 9,000 feet up in the Garhwal Mountains. And this farmer invited me into, he said, will you eat or will you take? So I said, I'll eat here. He called me in and made me sit down. Um, and he called the, the uh, you know, daughter-in-law, and so she put out a plate and I was eating. And then I don't, I'm not a good eater. So I eat a little bit. So the farmer observed and he said, Are aap to re you eat like a bird. And then he said, Atma, fir paramatma. First take care of the Atma, then only Paramatma. Atma means self and the Paramatma is supreme self. By self, he means the body, the physical body. So now the question might be, why would the Upanishad refer to the body as the self? So you have to see it in context. All these quotations are being pulled out from the Upanishads without regard to the context. So when you say, when you actually, when you go to the Taittiriya Upanishads and find out what is the reference, why, why have they said that the self is the body? You will see what is going on there is the pancha kosha vichara. Start by thinking of the self as the body. Then you see it is not the body. Then you look inwards and you see the prana is the self. Then you see that no, prana cannot be the self. Mind is the self. Intellect is the self. And so on you go till you get to pure consciousness. Instead of doing that, if I just pull out one quote, See, here the Upanishad, your own Upanishad says, body is the self. So that's what his Charvaka has done. Now, all right. What is the next question we must ask? Reason. Why? That person said, my son or daughter is myself. Why? Show me why the son or daughter is not the self. Why is the body the self? He says, Pradipta grihat swaputram parityajyapi swasya nirgamadarshanat. House is burning. One abandons one's son or daughter and runs to save this body. Therefore, what are you saving? Not the son or the daughter, but the body. I don't know how many parents would do that. But anyway, some might. And so we, since we are saving this body, then this body is the self, not that body. That body is not myself. Um, there are examples. So there's a story that Sri Ramakrishna used to tell a rather depressing story of a man who wanted to get spiritual realization and uh, his guru told him to come away with me and you know like become a monk wandering monk the man said no but i have my old mother and my wife and my children all of them to take care of what will happen and they love me so much they'll be so heartbroken if i leave them the guru said nobody cares for you you, you don't know that and i'll show you here take this medicine and then uh, it will seem as if you are dead. So this man took the medicine and it looked, he was completely lifeless, but he could hear everything what was going on. Then his wife started wailing, his old mother started wailing, the children gathered around him. And at this time, the guru came and said, what's wrong? Was, oh, oh, the poor man, he's passed away, he's dead. The guru said, no, he is just in a particular state, uh, like you know, suspended animation or something. I can bring him back. But I need another life for that. Somebody, one of you has to sacrifice your life for it. Um, obviously, there's no question of children sacrificing their life for the father. But um, then the young wife said, oh, but what can I do? Uh, all these little ones depend on me. I can't sacrifice my life. He's gone. What can be done now? And uh, then the old mother said, well, what can we do? I have got other children. And then all these grandchildren are there. And the poor widowed wife is there. Who will guide and look after all these people? Well, he's gone anyway, let us pray for his welfare. And then 
this man got up and said to the guru you are right let us go i'm i'm leaving with you so the basic idea there is that here is when you're mortally threatened whom do you rescue so you one might rescue the child or one might not uh, one might rescue oneself on the, the body itself so that's the argument he's giving that means what the other person earlier person said the child is the self is not correct it is the body which is the self then can you show me from example give me some examples from my from my experience from my daily experience how am i the body and that so many examples are available you say i am overweight stulo hum i am overweight what is overweight what is 200 pounds the body is 200 pounds you don't say that uh, consciousness is 200 pounds or something like that the mind is 200 pounds it's the body but what do i say i am overweight or i need to lose weight or i am skinny i need to put on some weight or i am sitting here quite obvious all the time we talk as if we were the body i am sitting here what's sitting here the body is sitting here i am i'm walking downstairs what's walking downstairs the body is walking downstairs so we tend to talk we just tend to talk and behave as if we were the body and we don't think twice about it so there is any number of examples which will prove that in our day to day lived experience we behave as if we were the body so here we have the second view which is a materialistic view if you think deep this is presented in a very simple way but if you think deeply about it there are very sophisticated views actually and lots and lots of people mostly follow these views so you notice how symmetric it is whose view what is the view what is the self what any quotation from the upanishads what is the argument uh, how does it cut down the earlier argument and then what is the experience let us go to one more example 125 aparashcharvakah teha prana prajapatim pitaram etyochu ityadi shrutir indriyanam abhave sharira chalana bhavat karno ham badhiro ham ityadi anubhavacha indriyani atmeti vadati So this is one more charvaka school one more school of materialism but more sophisticated than the earlier one aparas charvaka apara means another school of charvaka what is the english translation let us see another school of charvaka speaks of the sense organs as the self on account of such shruti passages as sense organs went to their father prajapati and said owing also to the fact that the movement of the body ceases when the organ ceases to work and further because of such experiences as i am blind of one eye i am deaf and so and so forth so pretty easy to find out i mean pretty easy to grasp what's going on another group of materialist aparacharvaka another group of materialist what do they say um and they say that indriyani atma iti vadati the sensory system is the self sight touch especially touch um, smell taste sound hearing all of the five senses taken together the sensory system is the self again a pretty sophisticated way of looking at it think about it when i'm saying that the body is the self but really suppose this hand is paralyzed i i really feel this is me this this hand here but suppose it's paralyzed 
and I have no control over it. I have no feeling in it. Very soon it will become like an object to me. I'll have to lift the hand, put it here. Slowly I will lose the feeling of sense, of self in it. That it is me, it will become more like an object. Why? Because there is no sense sensation left. There is no motor control left over it. And so my sense of self withdraws from it. There is a, it will become like a thing, like an object. It will become, you, one may feel, I'm, I'm sure if after, suppose somebody is paralyzed and for years, one hand, not arm is not, leg is not moving, then I will, my sense of self will be more on the parts which I can sense and control. And that part will seem less and less uh, like my own self. So he says that when the sensory system is active, when consciousness works through it, when I'm aware of something, then only the body feels like the self. Without it, body does not feel like the self. Um, suppose all our senses were taken and supplant, uh, transplanted into somewhere else other than the body, then that one would feel like the self. So there's a whole uh, experiment called BIV, brain in a vat. We did this course in the, at, at Harvard on consciousness studies. So one paper was always, uh, so some papers were on this brain in a vat. Brain in a vat means, suppose some mad scientist has removed your brain from the body and then it has put it in a like a like a solution and in a in a environment where the brain will survive and hooked it up to artificial senses so you feel you are in the body but you're actually not in the body brain is not in the body brain is elsewhere and it is controlling another body where will you where are you actually you're actually in that brain in that uh, artificial environment but you will feel i am in this body because the senses are working here Senses are the self. Senses are which generate the sense of uh, self. Again, pretty sophisticated view. Do you have any um, quotation from the scriptures? He quotes from the Chandogya Upanishad. Teha prana prajapatim pitaram So the prana, the set of, here prana means senses. The set of senses approach the, approach Brahma. There's a particular context. But there the senses are called the self. Um, argument, give an argument. Why is it that the body is not the self? Why are you saying senses are the self? The argument of like paralysis, which I gave, when the senses stop working, sense organ, motor organ, then the body does not feel like the self. Um, again, in our sleep, when we fall asleep, our sense of self withdraws from the body. We have no awareness of it at all. The body is still there. If the body was there, you should behave, that should behave like the self. It does not. At that time, the self may be dreaming in a body, in, in your dream world, in a world of imagination. That feels like the self, not the sleeping body. So, indriyanam abhave sharira chalana abhavat. When the sensory system does not function, then the activities of the body, sharira chalana, activities of the body also fail. And can you give some experience? Aham badhiro, um, that I am uh, blind, I am deaf. Karno uh, aham, I am blind in one eye. Badhiro uh, aham, I am deaf. What is blind? The eyes are blind. What is uh, deaf? The ears do not function. The, sen the conditions of the senses are identified with the self. What is happening to the senses? I am saying, I am that. So your own uh, report 
is that you are identified with your sensory system yeah so that is also a pretty good position and therefore they say indriyani atma the sensory system is the atma then one more child. let's do one more material see how many schools of materialist each one more sophisticated the next school of materialist says no no life is self life prana aparashcharvakaha this is text number 126 aparashcharvakaha anyantaratma pranamaya ityadi shrute pranabhava indriyadi chalana ayogad aham ashanayavan aham pipasavan ityadi anubhavaccha pranatmeti vadati another school of sarvaka holds that prana vital force life vitality is the self on account of such shruti passages as different from and more internal than this is the self which consists of the vital force owing also to the fact that the cessation of the working of the vital force the sense organs cease to function and because of such experiences as i am hungry i am thirsty all right so this school of materialist says i am life itself it's uh, the, what is the essential nature of the self it is life not in a dead body all the senses might be there but no body might be there senses might be there there's no sense of self in anymore so um prana atma iti vadati another school of charvaka says prana is atma can you give any quotation from shruti he gives taittiriya upanishad always readily available the poor taittiriya upanishad it was doing panchakosha vichara step by step taking you to atma and these people are cherry picking one sentence out of it look checkmate your own upanishad says your precious upanishad says prana is atma anyantaratma pranamaya so the upanishad says the inner um, the atman is inner to this inner to the body inner to the senses it is prana can you give some argument reason it out yes when uh, life stops if life goes out all your sensory system fails there is no question of being the self being identified with the self with the senses or with the body if there is death if the body dies and then the senses also stop the body also is dead and there is no self there the self comes and goes with prana with life um so there is this old uh, story in the upanishad chandogya upanishad that um, there was once a competition among all the senses who is superior and they said let's approach brahma the you know the our, our the creator of the universe and ask him who is the best amongst us brahma said all right why don't you do one thing uh, you by turn each of you leave the body and stay away for one year and come back we'll see who is missed the most so first the ears said i'm going to leave the body let's see how you guys manage without me so they and ears left and they couldn't hear anything anymore one year later he the ears came back in the power of hearing shrotrendriya well how did it go yeah it was difficult we couldn't hear anything but we managed i mean you can see and it's, it's sort of we can manage and similarly the uh, eyes left uh, and then it was so terrible they were blind one year later the eyes came back well what happened yeah it was really bad we couldn't see anything we went blind 
but we survived somehow i mean we can sort of feel our way around and you know like we we managed to survive similarly each one by one the the self the senses you know sense organs and the motor organs they go and come back and yes it's difficult but people carry on uh, but then the prana life it itself began to leave the moment it began to leave the body all the indriyas cried out stop 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 <laughs> we are all going to die if you are not here don't go so brahma said life is the most important of uh, you know like life is more important than anything else so the charvaka is saying look your upanishad support us life is is the self self is life life itself is the self can you give me some exp- experience day to day life where we can verify she says yes look at your daily experience i am hungry i am thirsty so hunger thirst health illness energy tired all of these are because of life prana i am i can't do anything i'm very tired i'm i'm um, unable to get out of bed prana problem with prana or i'm bursting with energy i'm uh, you know like what i'm going to jump out of bed and go go and do things is prana i am hungry i am thirsty i am sick i am perfectly well all of these are activities of prana everything so no more than the senses the prana is important let's do one more the last of the materialist and i'll take some questions anyastu charvakah anyantaratmamano maya ityadi shutir manasi supte prana dera bhavad aham sankalpavan aham vikalpavan ityadi anubhavaccha manatma iti vadati pretty sophisticated view this is actually where most people stop mind i am a mind i am a person in this body embodied person most people just about every even the advanced scientists you know like the deep thinkers they sort of stop here here uh, yet another school of charvaka holds the mind is the self on account of such shruti passages as different from and more internal than this which consists of the vital force is the self which consists of mind again the poor taittiriya upanishad is being exploited owing also to the fact that the vital force etc ceases to work when the mind goes to deep sleep and further because of such experience as i am considering the pros and cons etc so this school of materialists is a pretty sophisticated school of materialists and they think of themselves as embodied minds they think of themselves as persons which i think most people do most sensitive thinking people in the world would think of themselves as persons um do you have an upanishad to quote yes there is the taittiriya upanishad which says subtler than all of this you know body and prana and all of that is the mind a manomaya atma and uh, do you have any arguments to prove that so here's an argument which says there's no experience of the vital force the body is there it's breathing you see it but the person when the person falls asleep and dreams or does not even dream the person has no experience of the, from the, that person's experience there is no experience of the vital force and um, the sense of self is still there completely dissociated with from the functioning of the prana in the sleeping body and uh, that's how the pers- that's how we experience our dreams for example how do you see yourself in your dream you have no sense of you know like lying on the bed and breathing no so i am not that prana i am the mind 
the whole world of dreams for example is constituted by the mind experience can you give some anubhava yes i'm thinking i'm feeling i'm remembering i'm desiring i'm loving i'm hating this is this constitutes our innermost experience of self what we really think about ourselves are my thoughts feelings my own personal narrative my memories that's all part of the mind my memories uh, my sense of self my likes and dislikes my opinions all of this was what constitutes my the personality i am this although very interesting the word personality literally means a mask the word person comes from the greek for mask persona anyway um, but we think of ourselves as persons and this is what this materialist says we are persons we are minds embodied minds that's what we are that's probably even in pretty sophisticated modern philosophies of mind um, people just take it for granted that we are embodied minds um, and th- but this is also a, a materialistic view um, the other schools will come in later on the buddhists and the nayayikas and all will start later i'm going to stop here and take a few questions and see what observations are there in the chat but you see how uh, nice this chapter is it's so symmetrical if you know the key to the chapter who's who are we talking about here what is their answer to the question who am i what is the quotation from the upanishads what is the argument and what are the experiences and then you go on to the next and each one is higher than the earlier higher means it builds upon the earlier by criticizing the earlier one and at the top of the food chain will come of course the great hero advaita advaita vedanta now girish says professor timels in a guest lecture drishti srishti vada more advanced than godopadas so uh, girish is asking you indicated regarding professor timels in his guest lecture drishti srishti vada perceiving creating is more advanced interpretation of advaita more advanced than godopadas ajata vada how so not more advanced than ajata vada the um, basic form of advaita is srishti drishti world has been created look a uh, good example this book what would you say srishti drishti drishti srishti or ajata vada it is srishti drishti the world has been created by god you know ishwara with maya projects the five subtle elements and then from the five subtle elements our subtle bodies are created the five subtle elements are combined to form the five gross elements with the five gross elements our physical bodies and the physical universe is created and then we see this universe you didn't create it i didn't create it it's ishwara god with the power of maya who has created all this so this is srishti drishti vada universe has been created and then we come to experience it srishti drishti but a higher and more radical form of advaita is drishti srishti it's there because you are seeing it how is that possible doesn't it exist when i don't see it no it doesn't uh, it's uh, based on our dream model all the things that you see in a dream the people you see in the dream even your own body which you see in the dream all of it is there only as long as you are dreaming the moment you stop dreaming all of it disappears and that doesn't seem to be a crazy statement we understand that's what a dream is i'm eating a pizza and i put it in the fridge and I, then i wake up from my dream do i feel that okay i'll dream tomorrow and go back and open the fridge and eat the pizza tomorrow and tomorrow night's dream no it's not there it's gone 
So that is Drishti Shrishti Vada. Drishti Shrishti means uh, seeing itself is creation. Shrishti Shrishti, creation is seen. Drishti Shrishti, seeing is creation. And then comes Ajata Vada, Godapadas, which, which says that there's no creation at all. Nothing was ever created. So the Ajata Vada is the highest. But look, this is an introductory book. So it starts with Srishti Drishti. Why? Because that's the easiest way to understand Advaita Vedanta. It's, it follows our, it allows for our common sense intuitions. Um, then Rick is saying, joke related to verse one, two, three, the Jewish tradition. When does a fetus become a human being? When he graduates from medical school. Correct. <laughs> you know, there's this, so, so many jokes about you know Jewish parents. So this is the lady is walking with two little kids, um, and somebody asks, "Oh, what cute children! Um, who are you? And who are you?" Ask the little little, little uh, two little boys, and the mother, the Jewish mother, says, "Oh, this one is the lawyer, and that one is the doctor. <laughs> They're little toddlers." Another related joke about this is in our, in our monastic order, not just our order, among monks, you're not really grown up until you are maybe 60 or 70 years old. You're still a baby monk. So I'm, I'm still a baby compared to, you know, really grown up monks, you must be like 75 years old first. And then Girish says, Advaita uses a number of analogies as proof statements. Is the analogy the same as Anubhava experience? No, analogy is used to point to something. And you have to grasp it in your experience. Rodrigo is asking who were the main Charvaka philosophers in ancient times. Difficult to say. In Mahabharata, in Ramayana, there are different people who come forward, like Jaivali and some others are there. There are examples of Charvakas in each of them. Mm. And they put forward these very materialistic points of view. There are some in Mahabharata, some in Ramayana, um, some in the Upanishads. Many names are there. The guru of the Charvakas is called Brihaspati. Poonamji is asking, what are vasana, samskaras and vrittis? Are they part of our causal body? No, they are part of our subtle body, but they remain in the causal body in seed form. And when the subtle body starts functioning, they come out again. Vrittis are definitely in the subtle body. Um, and the vasanas and samskaras, their seeds are in the causal body. Causal body, Anandamaya Kosha. Subtle body, Vijnanamaya, Pranamaya and Manomaya. And then Rodrigo is asking, Donovan's Brain is a great book. Peter Dawkins says, what is the difference between Manas and Chitta regarding verse 1 to 7? Isn't Manas an activity of the mind, not the mind itself? Yeah, so the Antakkarana, the Technical name for this antakkarana, inner instrument, and it has four functions. Manas, which is normally translated as mind, all kinds of thinking. And then uh, buddhi, the, the determinative faculty, when you get an understanding, you get something, you get something, okay, this is true. Um, ego, ahankara, which is called abhimanatmika antakkarana vritti, which is that function of the antakkarana which appropriates, which, is, which unites all the activities into one, like I am this. And then chitta, which is the storehouse. But sometimes for the whole thing, manas is used. Sometimes for the whole thing, chitta is used. So chitta vritti nirodha in yoga sutras, 
Yogaschitta-vritti-nirodha. Yoga is the cessation of the vrittis of the chitta. Their chitta does not mean only memory. All vrittis must subside for yoga or samadhi. And Kiran is asking, there must be realized souls, Brahmagyanis, even at the time when the materialistic views were philosophized. Is it just that the Advaita philosophy was not yet developed? Um, were they realized souls? Certainly. All throughout history, there must have been realized souls. So people are at different levels of their evolution. And at some level, um, the materialistic views are more appealing. Now, whether the Advaita philosophy which we find today was developed, that, has, that you have to look to history. So the Advaita philosophy is the philosophy of the Upanishads. So when the Upanishads are there, Advaita was there. But that form of Advaita was Upanishadic Advaita. One form of it, Swami Vivekananda was clear, as modern philosophers may not agree, but Swami Vivekananda was clear that what Buddha taught was actually the teachings of the Upanishads in his own way. Uh, he gave a new interpretation to it. But essentially the same thing, which modern philosophers won't agree. They said, no, he is against the Upanishads. But then it, these two positions may not be entirely different. Whether he was teaching the Upanishadic philosophy or against it, if you're against something, you're still reacting to it. You're still incorporating that same DNA into your thinking. Anyway. And then the further development of the Upanishadic philosophy into modern Advaita took place first with Gaudapada. There were early Advaitins. I don't know much about them. A lot of discussion, but the materials are not available. But Gaudapada is available. The Mandukya Karika and Mandukya is available. So uh, Gaudapada was a major step towards the development of modern Advaita. Then, of course, incomparable is Shankaracharya. So all the Bhashyas and the Upanishads, the Bhashya and the Brahma Sutra. Oh, yes, before this development of Advaita was, is the Brahma Sutras. The Sutras themselves were composed by Vyasa. Development of Advaita is the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna taught the Bhagavad Gita, the central teaching of the Upanishads. But systematically, the, the philosophy developed with Godapada and then um, really so solid permanent basis, which we have got today, Adi Shankaracharya. Commentary on Brahma Sutras, commentary on um, Upanishads, commentary on um, Bhagavad Gita, plus a wealth of Prakarana Granthas. Prakarana Granthas, introductory texts, or small independent treatises. And then the further development of the Advaita philosophy for over a thousand years by the followers of Shankaracharya, multiple schools, you know, Bhamati school, Vivarana school, then the attacks by the dualists, which led to further refinement of the positions, a lot of dialectical back and forth, till the coming of the modern period, new thinkers. I was just reading an essay, is Gandhi a, uh, an Advaitin? And in one place, it's interesting to note, Mahatma Gandhi actually says, I am an Advaita Vedantin. So whether it's Vivekananda or Gandhi or uh, so modern thinkers, down to its coming to the United States, to the West, there is so much development of Advaita Vedanta till now. So this is the development of Advaita Vedanta. <coughs> then, so Kiran was asking about this. This is the actual historical development of Advaita philosophy is this way. But does this mean there were no Brahmagyanis even before Gaudapada? Of course they were. I mean, the rishis of the Upanishads were Brahmagyanis. I'm sure many, many people whose names we do not know, they became enlightened. Just this form of the philosophy which we have got now was not there. And then Vishwanathan is asking, 
Will the author also discuss and dispute the opinion Vishtishtadvaita and other Vedanta schools? No. Uh, it will come in sort of incidentally much later. Right now, it's not there. But it will come in later on. When the Mahavakya Vichara is going on. Ram Gopal, what is your question? Maharaj, even if the mind is an appearance in consciousness, who is it that gets liberated? Oh, big! these are big questions. We'll shelve that for later. These are the final, ultimate questions. So, yes, Brihaspati, uh, there must be a different Brihaspati. Brihaspati, Guru of the Devas is Guru of the Charvakas also. Brihaspati Darshanam uh, must be a different Brihaspati. There are sutras, Brihaspati sutras and all, you know. Um, so that there were Charvaka sutras apparently, but those are lost. Sometimes you find quotations from Charvaka sayings, like I quoted a few. Uh, those were known as Brihaspati sutras, I think. Yeah. So the materialist school has suffered in the sense that once a school is wiped out, you get their views only from their opponents. So the, you know, the winners or the victors write the history. So all the other schools. If you notice whether it is Advaitin or Sankhya or um, Mimamsa, even the Buddhists and the Jains, all the Indian schools of philosophy, when they criticize other schools, they start with the Charvaka first. But that's the most obvious and basic thing. They start with that, dismiss it, and then they go on to criticize other schools. All right. Uh, Dimitri? Uh, good evening, Swamiji. Um, I'm trying to follow this, uh, uh, this logic that was described, like uh, you make a statement, uh, quotes from Upanishad, and then uh, what is the ex actual experience? What could stand the argument of the that from the first person conscious experience, nothing exists, nothing else exists. Yeah. Like finally, you are at the point that, yes, it is all an illusion. All you can gain is maybe a happier illusion and, you know, more loving illusion, but really it's still an illusion. Like anything yes. there is, is the first person. There is nothing else. Like you cannot prove it. That is right. And at the very end, the Advaitin will deploy that argument to cut down every other school. All the schools which will come now, the Advaitin will deploy that, deploy that argument from the first person experience. And the first person, the pure first person is awareness only. Because everything else is an object to that awareness. So whether it is the sun or the body or the senses or prana, they're all objects to awareness. And awareness itself is the experiencer of all of these or, or the illuminer. Therefore, the self must be awareness. We're going to come to that at the very end. After this, the journey will continue with, you know, through the various regions of Indian philosophy in the next class. But finally, yes, what you're saying, that, that that's what the Advaitin will say to one of and the things. Will, yeah. And it will apply to, you know, even a higher type of uh, concepts such as Ishwara and, you know, Ishwara. everything else. Because from that perspective, perspective how can I verify that Ishvara is there? Right. In fact, the Advaitin will say, everything you have said from the common man, the poor man on the street who says, my child is myself, up to the most sophisticated dialectical Nagarjuna who says, the ultimate void is the self, you know, the emptiness is the self. All of these are revealed to consciousness. So <laughs> that's what the Advaitin will say whether it's God or the void or emptiness or mind or intellect or whatever you call it, 
everything is revealed to consciousness. Yeah. And in a sense, it's such a simple thing, and yet we don't see it. Um, then Arjun, Arjun Rathor. Yeah, Mar- Pranam Maharaj. Yes. Uh, so I had, you had commented something in a previous lecture, so I had some confusion about that, especially when you had compared Advaita with Kashmir Shaivism where you said that the self is self-aware, they consider mm. in Kashmir Shaivism, where, mm. whereas in Advaita, we don't. So that's where my confusion is. My, right, my right. understanding had... was that the self, the I am, you know, it must, the consciousness must be aware of its existence. Right. So that's where my confusion is coming. Right, right. I understand. You had written to me about it. You had yeah, written yeah. an email <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, you're right. Uh, in fact, self-aware and self-luminous, these are two different terms. What Advaita Vedanta says is consciousness is Swaprakasha. It reveals itself and it reveals everything else. Right. But Kashmir Shaivism goes further and says, not only is it Swaprakasha, not only it is self-revealing, but it is also what is called um, Prakasha Prakasha. Uh, Paramarsha Swarupa, Prakasha Vimarsha Swarupa, Vimarsha, the word they use is Vimarsha. Vimarsha means it is reflexively self-aware. I am luminous, but I am also aware of myself. But I am aware of myself, Advaita Vedanta, see, it doesn't really stand. It's a beautiful concept, uh, but it doesn't really stand. Advaita Vedanta will immediately say, look, you're importing the activity of the mind here. I mean, forget all these elevated philosophies. Just look at your day-to-day life. Um, I am aware of my own existence unless you uh, you introspect, unless you pause and look back upon yourself. Normally, you're not thinking about yourself. But does that mean you're unconscious? No, you're luminous. You're always radiant. Um, if our deep sleep, uh, what will Kashmir Shaivism say to that? Deep sleep. You are, uh, you're still luminous, but there is no self-awareness possible because the mind is shut down. The self-awareness this reflecting reflexive awareness of oneself that is a function of the mind it's like saying the face is carrying the reflection the reflected face along with itself reflected face is part of the face no it is not reflected face depends upon the mirror um, so, so so someone might, might say then then we are dependent on the mind for self awareness yes but there's nothing wrong in it what is the mind after all? In Advaita Vedanta, mind, intellect, body, and the universe, all are products of, or are appearances of the self, of you. And you are self-luminous. You are not dependent on anything outside. Um, it's like saying that, uh, but then another question you had asked was, then what is the, it's worthless if I'm not, a, I'm aware, I'm awareness, but I'm not aware of my awareness. If I'm not self-aware, then it's useless. No, it's like saying, I have this face, I am this face, but if I'm not constantly seeing my reflection, then it's worthless having a face. Not at all. Sri Ramakrishna actually says in one place, if I always look at my reflection in a mirror, people will think I'm mad. Uh, that That quote seems to be out of context. There's nothing before it and nothing after it. What it means is this, that you constantly want to experience yourself as this luminous awareness. Not necessary at all. You are it. 
so again and again what kashmiri shaivism does with all the best intentions it imports activities of the mind and the intellect and the prana into the ultimate reality shiva paramashiva has the unlimited power of gyana ichcha kriya unlimited power of knowing unlimited power of willing unlimited power of doing advaita vedanta would say bhai that is ishwara you are bringing in um, the power of maya and adding it to the ultimate reality the ultimate reality can exist without that power also nothing is lost of that ultimate reality because it does does the reality become powerless kashmiri shaivism uh, often the philosophers they say then your brahman is just like a stone not at all it, all these powers they belong to brahman they are not at the same level as brahman when we say that there is no such power at all brahman alone exists it's not that brahman is powerless the whole dialectic of powerful and powerless becomes meaningless in from brahman's perspective yeah it, just one it, one yeah. thing maharaj but when we say aware aware implies that it's aware of its existence otherwise that awareness shouldn't it be aware of its existence at least not necessarily and look at your deep sleep experience see awareness of one's existence is already there's some function of the mind going on there you are acknowledging i exist but even without acknowledging you exist do you not exist you can exist and so the question and you know what is lurking in the mind is then in the state of ultimate freedom i will be like that like being in deep sleep no you know what you will be like you'll be like this universe this universe has this multiple stages there's a stage of complete expression of the universe the physical universe is there the causal universe is there the subtle universe is there none of this all of this is nothing but the nirguna brahman appearing in this way through maya and at one point all of this will disappear in pralaya the entire universe will disappear back into maya nirguna brahman alone will exist throughout at that time only saguna brahman plus maya will exist there will be no expression at all but that does not mean the reality has gone away so the reality goes through two phases a phase of uh, withdrawal into potential state a phase of expression into a manifest state srishti sthiti pralaya is going on so in a way maharaj this uh, the self is not privy to this experience it is kind of detached from this experience or all this experience is that remember way? continuous experiencing the self does not need it experiencing depends on the self but the self does not depend on experiencing what is experience consciousness plus object now the self through maya may manifest an object and experience itself in that way or it may not it may choose not to manifest an object and it may just be remain radiant without experiencing something that so happens every day in deep sleep and that happens every once in billions of years in pralaya okay thank you maharaj i'll yeah. think about it yeah yeah it be perfectly fine see from advaitin's perspective and perfectly fine if the universe is not there but what does it mean when the universe is not there even mind will not be there intellect will not be there the thought i am will not be there though i am the thought i am will not be there shankaracharya discusses this in um, um his commentary on in number of places but one commentary on the gita um, verse 
nasato vidyate bhavo na bhavo vidyate sataha so he says um, um, that existence itself it's never destroyed um, you know like um, this ghato asti the pot is so suppose you destroy the pot then the broken pot is isness is still there existence then suppose you destroy those um, um, that smash everything all uh, all the pots are smashed out of ex- existence then where is the isness om shankaracharya says pato asti the cloth is a pot is gone cloth is then then next question will be suppose everything is destroyed everything the whole universe is gone there's no object left in the universe then where is your isness the whole idea is that isness must depend on some object without objects can there be isness shankaracharya says that even then isness is there but there's no way of experiencing it anymore it is analogous to what you are asking that is from the isness perspective you are asking from consciousness perspective yeah okay thank you mahabesh right yeah. uh, technically the straight answer to your question will be kashmiri shaivism post, um, holds on to vimarsha apart from prakasha prakasha is light or awareness vimarsha is awareness of that awareness and so according to kashmiri shaivism that vimarsha also is part of the ultimate reality prakasha vimarsha swarupa advaita vedanta says prakasha swarupa the vimarsha self reflectivity will come later on and that may come stay disappear it is nothing to you the brahman thank you mahesh thank you mm-hmm. all right that's a good point to end this discussion om shanti 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 हरि ओम तत्सत् श्री राम कृष्णार्पणमस्तु